for the state of the eye study, especially, we want to ensure that we're also looking at what these challenges are that are limiting our ability to properly represent the American people that we serve, right? Or the population of people living in the United States that we serve. Welcome to season three of the Visionary Podcast. I am Dr. Juliette Nelson. And I'm Carl. Yes, and it's an exciting day because it is not only uh, season three, but it is our anniversary. Yes. How many years has it been, Juliette? It's been three years. It's been three years since we launched Nuri Lens. And that's so exciting. Actually, so the real story is that we actually went on pre-order October 1st in 2020. Um, and then, of course, we officially launched on November 10th. And I, of course, we we have the insider story of <laughs> how crazy it was launching and, um, you know, preparing for launch and so on and so forth. But we are immensely, immensely grateful to everyone, again, who's been rocking with us, um, our first customers who purchased our frames, not really knowing much about us, not really knowing much about our brand, and everyone else who's who's joined on the bandwagon to support us, to encourage us, um, to refer customers to us, those who purchase uh, multiple frames in one, you know, purchase, we are so immensely grateful for you. And we definitely hope you'll continue to rock with us um, as we continue to learn, as we continue to evolve as a brand. So let's talk about what we've been working on for the past, what, the past couple of months, season two closed out. We've been through a lot. It's crazy to think we already, we already on season three, but um, what have we been working on, Juliet? Well, I will tell you this. We have been popping up again. Um, Popping up. We actually were at Haitian Ladies Weekend. um, And this is this was my first experience at Haitian Ladies Network. Um, Shout out to our outreach strategist, Rebecca, who represented New Relens so very well at Haitian Ladies Weekend. It was a beautiful opportunity to really network and connect with um, Haitian women all across the country, also from around the world. So it was it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I was supposed to actually travel out of town that (laughs) weekend. And um, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to travel. So I'm just getting notifications, ding, 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 of, um, of course, us vending and sales coming in and Rebecca messaging me saying, listen, I need more uh, boxes and so on and so forth. So what was supposed to be just me showing up for 10 minutes 
really became me being there for three hours and connecting with some of the other vendors, connecting with um, amazing, beautiful Haitian women and learning about themselves, learning about the work that they do, learning about their passions, their concerns. Um, And I think it's just an amazing thing when women, Black women get together to empower one another, to encourage one another. Um, So I'll say that was one of the highlights of last month in October. I will say Jimmy Jean Lewis. He is also an actor. He's an Haitian. Mm-hmm. He's an Haitian actor, um, and he also um, went to Haiti. Um, and for those who are familiar with the situation in Haiti, he went to Haiti to visit the canal that's currently being built. But he wore um, his 1804 frame, so that was really cool yeah. um, to see him. You know, wear those frames and um, to represent those. We also were at the New Jersey Women's Expo, and it was also great to be able to connect again with other women entrepreneurs, other women business owners, um, you know, connect with people from different backgrounds, different styles, of course, um, to promote the brand there. So that was our month of October. And of course, gearing up for season three, gearing up for year three, I know that we are looking forward to some really exciting stuff that I think, drumroll please, or should I do it with my nails, that we're really, really excited to work on. Um, And I'll let you talk about it, bro. Yeah, of course. Um, So year three, we were, I mean, we've talked about like trying to, what new initiatives that we wanted to bring forward for year three and things of that nature. And I know like with the brand, obviously we're very focused on like, nice eyeglasses the eyewear the styles the wood the finishes not to say i don't care about that stuff but you know my my bread and butter is really like eye health so like i love eye health um so going into year three we were talking about what we could do and we decided that we're going to be launching uh the state of the eye which will be um a survey that's really near and dear to my heart it's curated by me as well as some other members on the team um and it's going to be released to the public it can be customers that have bought pairs of frames from us it could be non-customers it could be your friends your aunts your uncle just get it to as many people as possible so anybody in the united states older than 18 years old (laughs) thank you yes that's yes that's important but yeah so the whole background of the the survey is we kind of want to get some insight on um eye issues get some we're going to ask questions about your eye health your personal health your background your demographics things of that nature to try and build connections that people don't don't really understand and maybe not not uh realize are there right so um because what we found is even through meeting people at pop-ups or in clinic like you'll see a lot of people don't really recognize that like eye health and vision can be connected to so many other things as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and I think that highly affects uh underserved, underrepresented communities. So right. that's kind of why we wanted to highlight that. And but even if you don't fall into those categories, like fill out the survey, we want as much feedback as we can get, um, so that we can we can release some of our results, some of our findings uh, in 2024. So we're really excited about that. When you see the survey come up please do it. Please send it to as many people as possible. There also is a code at the end of the form for a discount. So I don't know if I was supposed to tell you that, but I'm saying it. So it's out. Um, So state of the eye, 2023, 2024, year three. 
Yes. And I really want us to kind of backtrack, especially since this is our season three and three year anniversary episode, really take take us back to like season one. Some of those small knickknacks that we started identifying. I know, of course, when you just come into the field um, at the time I was uh, working on my PhD um, in a completely different field. And so, of course, until you're really in it, sometimes you don't see the wide array of resources or information, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think one of our biggest thing was, okay, how do we ensure that we can fill prescriptions? And that was something that was especially important for me because I wear prescriptions. Um, I wear prescription glasses. And so, you know, we start getting these questions from customers, right? We start getting these concerns. We're seeing some of the different things that are missing um, the mark. And that's where we're kind of like, okay, so maybe we need to start pushing out some information about how to read your prescription. What's the difference between single vision and uh, progressive, right? Mm-hmm. How? What's the difference between progressive and bifocals? Um, and what are the different things that you find in your prescription, your sphere, your cylinder, your axis? You know, also, of course, the foundation as well of a lot of the stuff we do is the blue light blocking glasses. So that was another thing with, you know, why blue light blocking glasses, right? And so you have customers who didn't even know that that was a thing, but now we have to explain that to them. And I think leading up to year three, we just continue to be, I mean, we've, Carl and I have had out, like I'm talking like full daily weekend long planning sessions and really being mind blown at, the wide variety of things that really people don't know, our Mm day-to-day people do not know. Um, I think that's why this study is so, so, so important, really for us to take more of an evidence-based approach to understanding, you know, where the gaps are, right? Um, We do know that there are not always enough resources or awareness in our community. So how do we really pour those into our communities. And Carl, I know we've had a a wide array of conversations of even the cases that you've seen come into the eye doctor um, in your experience working as an ophthalmic tech. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Like even something as simple as like someone with diabetes, right? Like you'll see them come in and it's, they'll be, they'll be dealing with manifestations of like diabetic retinopathy where they're having issues with their retina. And it's like, Hey, you had diabetes, you go get your HA1C checked all the time, you should probably also be going to see your eye doctor as well. And realistically, your primary doctor is probably like encouraging you to go or or maybe they are, maybe they aren't, who knows, but it's, it's like the education part of it. Like if you don't know, or you're not, you're not, you don't think it's as important, you're not going to realize it before it's too late. And you're trying to deal with something that could have been prevented. Right. So that's kind of something that we want to emphasize and want to gather information about and and kind of just inform the community. So, 
And we've already spoken, um, you know, we've we've spoken to future Dr. Uh, Rebecca Mirville, who who even mentioned the lack of preventive care in our communities. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much for us to understand about why that lack of why are we so far behind? We also we do understand that as underserved, underrepresented, marginalized communities, especially there is already that disadvantage. But what are those specific factors that are leading to that? Right. Um, And that helps us as Nui Lens to better understand what serving our community looks like, right? How do we build and increase that awareness? Um, And second to that, you know, how do we increase representation in the field? Um, And I've mentioned this before, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist. So a lot of the work that I do is looking at people in workplaces, right? What do we need to ensure that workplaces are conducive um, for professionals across various occupations. And I think working in New Orleans, having a number of eye health professionals on our team, one thing that is that is like till today, I'm just like, I'm not surprised, but I'm still astonished at what we found so far about representation of us in the eye health field. I mean, look back to when we went to Vision Expo. That frustrated the absolute mess out of me to yeah. see uh photos of uh latino faces black faces asian faces you have all these faces on billboards and posters and then when you go around you only find out that there's like two or three black owned businesses and they're literally like in the cut you have to go on a journey a pilgrimage uh a scavenger hunt to find them um but they don't have as much visibility as other brands. And I think it speaks to the issue in the eye health, the eyewear industry, in the eye health profession, where we're really, we don't see us. And I think when you're talking about that customer experience, of course, you know, um, a doctor is a doctor, right? A sales professional is a sales professional. Um, A specialist is a specialist, but there is something special about someone who is culturally informed, someone who has a shared lived experience as you. And something that I constantly uh, do research on, especially when you're looking at data and demographics, is ensuring that your workforce represents the people that we're serving, right? And so mm-hmm. for the state of the eye study, especially, we want to ensure that we're also looking at what these challenges are that are limiting our ability to properly represent the American people that we serve, right? Or the population of people living in the United States that yeah. we serve. Even and even to is- that point, like I wanted to say, um, like even in terms of like medical equipment, you will find these disparities, they show up. Like I was working on a, um, in collaboration with uh, um, this PhD student who was working on a um, pupillometry tool, like a handheld pupillometry tool, right? And because our pupils, well, not our pupils, excuse me, our irises are so melanated, right? Like generally, like we, you, it's your, you, you'll see every now and then you'll see, you'll see a brother with some green eyes, right? But generally speaking, right, we all have dark brown eyes, right? And that pupillometry tool is, is using like a camera from your phone, a, a regular camera from your phone and using that color differentiation to monitor the pupillometry, the pupillometry. So that's a tool that works primarily for blue eyes, hazel eyes, 
green eyes and it's like okay that's great that it works but we got to make sure like we're finding solutions that can help everyone right and i think that's that's another point where i was like wow that's like this is a great tool um and there it's marketed as like oh you can put this on your phone and it can help underserved communities but it's not really going to help underserved communities if you're you know what i'm saying so to that extent, right? Like we just want to make sure like we're building awareness, we're building representation. People can see themselves when they walk into the clinics and they can find equipment and tools and resources that are catering to them. So. And I do, I think what you shared was so important because um, in this world of AI, right? Chat GBT and mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, and we're trying to automate everything. Artificial intelligence and virtual reality and all of that, uh, those are not new, right? These are things that have been here for some time. And I think one of the biggest challenges to your point is even the like the disparities and even like I would say the discrimination that occurs even in artificial intelligence, right? Where it, it can't pick up a black face or it can't recognize someone with um, darker eyes, with, yeah. with brown eyes or so on and so forth. And again, like with our study, we really want to ensure that we're capturing that data because now we can have conversations with um, some of the people in the room to say, okay, here's what we're finding. Um, Of course, there is data everywhere, and we're also finding that there are gaps where there's so much more for us to know. We are not monoliths, right? Even as Black Americans, we are not monoliths. Our parents were not born here, and that speaks to the immigrant experience coming from um, the Caribbean, you know, and the immigrant experience coming from, for example, Africa or Asia or um, South America, They might be very similar, but they're not always going to be exactly the same. And I think when we're also considering some of those different aspects of people's lived experiences that impact their perceptions on their eye health, their access to resources, right? Um, I think you and I, we, we are blessed and we're privileged to be able to have dental and vision insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while I'm an entrepreneur, I still have my full-time job, but there are people who don't have access to that, uh, that healthcare for them to really be able to proactively get their eyes checked. Um, yeah. and that can impact the delays in us being proactive about our eye health. So us really wanting to capture a wide range of things. Um, again, I mentioned the representation in the field. And this is something that a conversation that I had with one of our eye health professionals on the team, which was interesting because people don't always think that they think that black folks are well represented, well represented in the field. Um, So I pulled up some statistics, which has me again, not surprised, but still mind blown at the reality And so this particular source pulled from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Census Bureau, um, as well as current job openings. And we intend to also incorporate these sources in our study as well. Um, But they found that for the field of optometry, we have 74.1 of optometrists who are women and 25.9% of them are male. 
And then you have for the ophthalmology field, right? You have 77.3% of those who are women and 22.7% of them who are men. The challenge here is we're finding that in the ophthalmology field, even though women dominate the field, right? Yeah. They make 87% of what men make. Yeah. And then in optometry, women make 86%. Yeah. Uh, and then when we're looking at the demographics for ophthalmology, you have uh, it being 62.2% white from this source, followed by 18.6% Asian, followed by 9.5% Hispanic or Latino, and then 5.1% Black. Yeah. When we move to optometry, we see that it's 72.9% white followed by 17.1% Asian, followed by 5.2% Hispanic, and then 3% is unknown. So there's not even Black listed wow, that's insane. in the number. Yeah. And this is not an accurate representation mm-hmm. of our population, right? Yeah. Of yeah. The, the population of Americans and non-Americans living in the yeah. United States. Uh, and I think that's extremely alarming because this is one of the most critical vessels on our bodies, but we yeah. don't even have that representation of people to advocate for us in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but I think a large part of the, uh, the issue is just like awareness of the opportunity and like educating like the youth, right? Like we've talked about this, like when you're in high school, like a lot of, a lot of kids don't know the difference. Like, Oh, if you want to be an eye doctor, okay. Do you know what's the difference between an optometrist and a ophthalmologist? Like, you know, like where you'd like to, where you'd like to practice because that has an, uh, an effect on what you would be doing, what field, what specialties, um, and kind of just like giving you like a roadmap to kind of help you succeed in that field. So um, I think mentorship helps with that. I think it's unfortunate how low those numbers are, right? Like, especially for, you said, you said the optometrist was unknown for the. Yeah, it's 3% unknown. That's crazy. Yeah. So. And, and I think the challenging thing for, for this is we don't know. We like you don't even have indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's yeah. so many other groups of people that just yeah. don't even exist in this data, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when we say Asian, where do Middle Eastern people fall in this number? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and so again, we're we are not a monolith, and there's so much more information for us to gather and for us to understand about you know the people who are in the field. Right. And seeing how we can, again, as you said, ensure that in school, of course, growing up as two Asian kids, it's always doctor, lawyer, Lawyer. engineer, engineer, a little bit, nursing. Yeah. Or a failure. That's it. That's That's it. That's it. Those are the options. A failure. You try to be a physician. What do what? Business for why? Well, right? my mom told me I could be I could be the president, but you know that's my not, dad told me the same uh, thing. But who wants yeah. to be the president of these United States? Not these. <laughs> be... <laughs> not these United yeah. Are there other United States? Maybe not. we gotta find them. When you find them, let me know. <laughs> right, but all to say, I I think um, another challenge is you know we're encouraging, of course, in our communities. Oh, you know, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be this medical professional. Mm -hmm. But what lane do I go into? Right. 
And I think that's another challenge. We need to be able to really educate young people on the different avenues within the health field, right? On the different lanes um, and paths they can take. One being, or some being, optometry, ophthalmology, opticianry, right? Or even just the eyewear business. We are grossly underrepresented across the board. Um, All to say, you know, the study, this survey that we are hoping will become an annual thing, not only will it help us to understand how better to serve you, but also how to advocate for us, how to advocate Mm -hmm. for our right um, to have accessible health, eye health care, to be aware and to have proactive and preventive um, eye health care, and to also have our right to be represented, to exist, um, to have our stories shared um, and our experiences shared in the field. So this is something that I'm extremely excited about. Yeah, me too. Okay, so now we're going to head over to our break. Um, This was part one of our two-part episode. We're trying to do something different this year, but we are going to break and we will see you in two weeks for part two of our 30-year anniversary episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you again for hanging out with us at the Visionary Podcast. We hope that you receive valuable insight that will encourage you to make better decisions about your eye health. Anything we've discussed in this episode should not be taken as medical advice. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to your doctor. If you like what you've heard, feel free to subscribe to our channel or platform wherever you're tuning in. We'd love for you to chime in the comments or leave us a review with your feedback. Also, visit our website at www.newrelens.co for your next pair of frames. We offer non-prescription and prescription options with different features to fit your style and vision needs. Use our try-on feature to ensure the perfect fit. Enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code VISIONARY20 today. Remember to see through the lens of your purpose. We look forward to chatting with you next time.